sort of the two main questions that it tries to ask is in what way does this outfit tell something like true and powerful about who you are as a person and in what ways does it make something that is true and powerful about you invisible how does it make you be seen and how are you hiding Welcome to Fuck Yeah, the podcast where we say fuck yeah to Gender Flu's Day. I am one of your hosts, Sarah, and I am joined by my vaginal vortex <laughs> loving host, Ryan. Vaginal vortex. That's what I should call the trailer. That's yes. a great name. Yes, I am in the new podcasting trailer. It is luxurious. It's velvety. Mm-hmm. You sort of want to dive in, which is mm-hmm. often how I feel about anything vaginal. That's right. Just dive in, stay a while, feel comforted. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I am, well, I mean, I'm good. I'm going through all the mental health stuff still. So just working on that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Trying to get through it. Giving you a fuck yeah right now? Well, I mean, you already touched on it. It's this fucking trailer is giving me a big fuck yeah. I kind of, we were having someone that was going to stay here. And so I started fixing it up. And I just got this idea, like we've done tarot readings in here before at parties. And I was like, this should be the tarot trailer. I want the theme to be like vaginal interior tarot everything should be a texture something that's you know tactile and pleasurable to touch so i am surrounded by velvet like i painted a fair amount of it pink already and just to be enveloped in this color i have ambition towards this and not much else i do have ambition towards the podcast and this trailer so i'm doing both at the same time i want to podcast from this trailer and do almost everything from the trailer I love, I love the trailer. It is so good. (laughs) It's just, I'm steeped in pink and I'm really enjoying it. Like, I can't wait for you to come over and see this pink wall. I can't describe to you how perfect this pink is in any kind of lighting situation. It's like getting a new color for me. I have a new layer in my spectrum. I don't know what that is. This is our first full episode of season two. I'm so excited. And I feel like we are kicking off in style, uh, I'll say, because this is one of our first guests Mm -hmm. who we have really fangirled over. That's right. And when we were dreaming up season two and who we wanted to talk to, this person was on our wish list. This was our stretch. Like, we should just ask. Yeah, we'll just ask and see what happens. They probably won't even respond, which is fine, but we're going to ask. And then they got back to us. Almost immediately. They were so gracious. Yes. Excited. Excited. Yeah. Yes. Agreed to come onto the podcast. And so I am, I just, I cannot wait to be in conversation with Benjamin Violet. Yes. Of Elvis Wrestley. Yes, I found them on TikTok, immediately fell in love. I send you their TikToks every week of I, their I really, series called Gender Flu's Day. I think Pelvis Wrestley might be getting me to get onto TikTok because I love their TikTok so much. Yeah. It is making me, it's breaking down my walls that have been, I've been really resistant. Every time I go onto TikTok, the algorithm isn't like, working for me yet i haven't curated my page mm-hmm. and so it just makes me feel like oh there's so much that i don't like about tiktok but then you send me elvis's mm-hmm. tiktoks and i'm like oh it's like the curtain there's this magical world in tiktok yes. and uh my goodness it's like a whole art practice yeah that benjamin does through their pelvis wrestling tiktok but in fact benjamin is a musician 
That's right. And, and their band is named Pelvis Rustly, but it is so much more. It's like all of this gender exploration mm-hmm. and theory and fashion and art. And it's just, it's like everything that uh, social media can be. Exactly. At its best, TikTok allows you to see creators that you would never see, gives them a platform to do things that in other spaces wouldn't even make sense. Like Gender Flues Day is perfect for TikTok and it allows us to find other imaginative, artistic, queer people that are pushing forward, you know, feminist, queer theory and, and I, I feel like they're the next line um, in queer theory. And it's really great as like, you know, not that we're elder, but older queers to see kind of what people are thinking now where the next generation is is taking the conversation. So I, I'm just thoroughly impressed with how cohesive and articulate their art practice is on TikTok and how satisfying and imaginative it is just feels like they're such a skilled multidisciplinary artist and gender flues day was our gateway to pelvis wrestling's work it is it, it comes out every tuesday mm-hmm. um, yeah look them up on like, tiktok everyone has to check them out it's amazing yeah pelvis wrestling is actually a band and i'm going to read something because i love this description of them and their new album just came out and we both listened to it. And I think that this is such an apt description of their work. Pelvis Wrestling is a band with a mission to reclaim Americana in the spirit of queer patriotism. It's like there's that duality there. Yes. Wait to ask them about that. Their frontman, native Texan and Pacific Northwest emigre, Benjamin Violet, resists any attempt to categorize their music as anything other than country, despite its glamorous synth or electronic yes yes i love it so let's let's bring benjamin on and talk to them about all of the amazing art that they are making let's do it can't wait benjamin we're so excited that you're here on the fuck yeah pod i'm so excited to be here what a treat So we gave our listeners a little intro to you and the work that you do. So we're not going to make you sit through that part, but we (laughs) are going to put you through our rapid fire questions. Let's have it. Okay, great. What is your favorite article of clothing right now? Okay, I have this denim romper that I've had since (laughs) probably 2011 that I got early into really doing like some gender play in my life. And so it like, it feels it it, like it feels like it contains me. It's been with me through very many life changes and transitions. It's the cutest little thing. It's getting shredded these days. It needs a little repair, but that's my go to. If I had a uniform, that'd be it. I love, I love a romper. Iconic. Oh, God, I love yeah. a romper, too. <laughs> Who was your first celebrity crush? Okay, I have to be honest instead of giving a cool answer. And Ooh. the answer is Stacey Dupree of the band Isley, which was a Texas band. Like, it was an all-sisters band. Like, very harmony-focused. They had a definite moment, but they were weird because, like, there were these sisters that did these immaculate harmonies and played, like, kind of, like, spooky, very, like, Tim Burton inspired pop music. I think what was like really compelling to me was they had major homeschool vibes. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, that really resonated with me. (laughs) Because you were homeschooled, right? I was homeschooled. Yeah. Yeah, It's a vibe. You can just, you can just sniff it, you know? Yeah. So I saw them play and I was just um, so smitten, so smitten about it. I love that you think that that's not a cool answer because I feel like it is such a quintessentially unique to you. Res- yep. <laughs> like such a deep cut of like, oh, my answer is not cool, but it's a real deep cut. You may not know it. No. <laughs> okay. And now I'm having like this, this kind of like uh, paranoia that somehow no. they're going to hear this and be like, what? We're, <laughs> we're cool. We were cool. Yeah, like, yeah you you guys, were cool. Yeah, people were crushing on you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. mad crushing on the homeschool vibes. <laughs> yeah, I think she ended up like marrying someone from Simple Plan. Oh gosh, I know, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. wow, we're just maybe like, it was good Charlotte in your references. <laughs> oh, I know that yeah. one. Okay. 
<laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay. Do you remember what your first mode of masturbation was? Oh my and God. Yes. How old you were? What a great question. I love having this. I love talking about this with specifically my male friends because it's like, so it's such a like embarrassing and earnest thing because I had no idea what was, what was happening. That is our favorite topic, embarrassing and earnest. So please lay it on yeah. us. So I, I had this friend and it was like, a really weird season of our lives where we were just like naked together all the time. How old? Um, probably like 12, 13. Okay. Being like naked in different places was just like the coolest thing. Um, <laughs> and I remember one time we were skinny dipping and I all of a sudden became aware that I needed to pee really badly, but I liked it so much. And so I... I mean, I just like jizzed in the swimming pool, um, <laughs> swimming around, but I had no idea. I was like, oh, I guess I can't get out of the pool in time. And I just like kind of hands-free ejaculated <laughs> into the swimming pool. Wow. Um, yeah. And I, I just love talking about this so much because that's one way to answer the question. But my um, absolute, the absolute truth of like when I knew, understood what was going on, was another hands-free situation because I was very religious. So any pleasure moments needed to be kind of an accident, you know? Right. It's a very strange mental like negotiation of being like, I'm not doing anything wrong because I'm not trying to make this happen, but I'm really into right. it. Get this. The first time I understood what was going on, what I was using as my hot content to feel this, I was reading the book of Ruth. Um, uh -huh. Which, if you're familiar with the book of Ruth, it is a book of the Bible that's like the rom-com. Really? Um, but it's, yeah, but it's like pretty slutty. Um, like, there's like a lot of innuendo about like Ruth, like sneaking into this guy who happens to be her cousin, by the way. Perfect. He happens Kinky. to be her cousin. Kinky, hot. Um, <laughs> and she, the, the way the language is laid out is she laid at his feet, but like oh. feet is like a big, it's like a euphemism for like, dongs so <laughs> oh the bible uh, i had no idea it was so smutty it's so smutty it's so smutty but it's subtle so subtle in its smuttiness and i'm just like reading that as again like a thir 12 13 year old and i'm just like so hot for it so hot for ruth and that's when it all happened you so came hands-free reading the bible yeah i did Oh, wow. <laughs> so you're telling us you're telling us that your first mode of masturbation was just willing it or just letting it happen because it needed to happen <laughs> exactly it, you know put me in the in the tradition of um of the ecstasy of saint Teresa. <laughs> wow that's wow. that's my whole situation over here yeah it just yeah, hot for me God. over yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That's wow. That's amazing. It's such a joy to have you here. I've been obsessed with your TikToks for a while, which is my entry into your music, which mm -hmm. I'm also really loving. Your pelvis Wrestling band has a great radio on Spotify also. Oh. I don't know if you've tried it. Have you tried it? I, have, I haven't. Is it's it, my favorite thing. It's like when I find an artist that I love, then I'll put on their radio. And some artists don't make good radios. Like for example, Radiohead terrible radio oh, because like it's not definable enough to get you good things but sure. like it your music just puts on this really nice radio of like good like indie country kind of vibes so That's i really love news. that try it out it's really okay. wonderful so i'm your tiktoks brought me to your music you definitely have a way of speaking in your art you have a definite vision that i think is very genuine and authentic and that came across i can see it now in your music but in your tiktok the first time i saw one of your tiktoks was your gender flues day on mm. second wave feminists yes so immediately when I saw it, I sent it to Sarah, which this is how Sarah does all of her TikToking is through me sending her curated <laughs> things that I know she'll like. Relate. So I sent that to her. And then we had this huge conversation about it afterwards. We were like, this person gets it. They like understand what's up with second wave feminists, but like is kind and appreciative, you know, for the work that they've done, but mm. is very critical at the same time. I just felt like 
like you were talking about my mother and kind of put her in this beautiful place <laughs> in history, you know? Uh-huh. So it really resonated with us. And I've been following you ever since. I love every Tuesday you do Gender Flues Days. Could you describe for us what Gender Flues Day is, how you kind of came about with that um, and everything? I want to play this second wave feminist one, but for our listeners uh-huh. who have never seen them, just give them like maybe a description of like kind of what's happening and how you came up with this idea, what it means for you. Yeah, absolutely. So Gender Fluce is basically an outfit of the day type video, but it's also sort of a video essay about like what the outfit means and like what kind of powers I feel like I am getting from it. Sort of the two main questions that it tries to ask is in what way does this outfit tell something like true and powerful about who you are as a person and in what ways does it make something that is true and powerful about you invisible? How does it make you be seen and how are you hiding by using a certain presentation and like by extension it's sort of also asking about like how genders are things that we put on and take off what those genders mean to us and also how those genders obscure us what we receive from them that is not okay this is kind of a hard thing to explain but it's present in both gender flues day and the music of pelvis wrestley in general is this idea of the two-way street of identities. When you take on an identity, like say I identify as an American, I'm taking on a history that is far greater than me in, in that identity. So as an American, I'm, I'm tied to this history, these people, this land, X, Y, Z, maybe this connotation of my moral values. And at the same time, by taking on an American identity, I'm also changing what an American is. Right. So we're in we are kind of infecting the the identifiers that we take on as much as we're receiving the baggage that it gives us. So yeah. Gender Flues Day is sort of trying to explore that idea in one minute or less. <laughs> yeah, it's I such mean, a great exercise that you give yourself every week to do. It's like an assignment that really is so introspective and, mm. and thoughtful. Yeah, it takes some thought. And usually I'm, I'll be like, I'll have already been thinking about a thing and I'll be able to like find a way that I, that ties into a gender presentation. But if I'm being totally honest with y'all, I'm, I'm running out of closet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm curious how, uh, where all the outfits are coming from. Closet is runway right now. <laughs> <laughs> it really changes your thrift shopping. It does. I would imagine. <laughs> it does. Absolutely. Yeah, your TikTok feels to me like it's very own practice and mm-hmm. art form and performance style. And so it's interesting coming to your music through your TikTok uh-huh. because your music is really your core practice. And so I'm, first of all, just so impressed with you having that much creative flow to be able to manage both. I'm so curious how you came up with the performance structure and like, how is it in conversation Mm. with your music and, you know, just generally how the fuck do you do both? Right. I'll try my best to, to answer that. The way it came up was my manager. My manager is this, this really cool person named Riley who just graduated in college right now, and they are just so savvy. Yeah, one of their first things that they told me when they started managing Pelvis Wesley was we needed a social media plan and that not doing it wasn't going to make it go away and that I could do it in a way that felt authentic and true to me. Because like I, I think that that's sort of my... I'm not sure if TikTok is always a good thing. Social media in general feels like a genie that we can't put back into the bottle. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we're we've got it now. Um, that's the way it is, at least for the time being. I have like a dark feeling about TikTok in terms of how trends are perpetuated over TikTok. Mm-hmm. I like it can sort of start feeling like a fever dream where you're seeing the same actions being repeated over and over with like the faces mm-hmm. changing, and it honestly it just feels very spooky to me. Um, and that's a part of it that I don't really love engaging with. So Riley was just encouraging me to find something that did feel authentic, like some kind of, we call it evergreen content, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) stuff that's kind of always relevant and like adds color to the, the music that we make. I got the idea to do little gender plays. I don't know where the idea gender flues day specifically came from. I think we were just spitballing 
And I started it with the, the structure was really determined by the very first one that I did. Um, it kind of happened by accident, but it's, it's a very true to life story. The very first one I did was a gender I called earth intruder, mm -hmm. which is like a very silver on silver look. And, um, this was like very, <laughs> like, this is true autobiographical shit. Like I got divorced in 2016 and I was like a weird shell of a person and I didn't know how to go out in public, but I also was like starved for her. <laughs> like human contact and mm -hmm. like uh it was grieving in a very strange way and so i started putting on this like silver on silver outfit that i called earth intruder and i would go out and i would order vodka milk from the bar <laughs> um which is a drink that i would call not as bad as you might think um it, it, so i would just do that and i would just like sip on my vodka milk and sort of like not engage with people i would just kind of like stand it. around um, and then some, sometimes people would talk to me they would approach me, which I, I just learned from that. This is called baiting. It's a, like, it's a documented social behavior where oh you my like, God. it's like a, the angler fish kind of vibe. You like do something outlandish to get attention because you don't know how to approach people on your, oh, on your own strength. My God. This, yeah. Can I just tell you? It's like what Robin used to do. <laughs> She would block out if we had teeth. seen each other Go at the, the bar, bar, we would have been magnetically attracted to each other <laughs> because I used to paint all of my teeth black to go out. I would have nothing other else peculiar about me, but my teeth would be gone. And I, I would so like so, so people would come up to me. I'd be like at a straight bar or whatever. And they'd be like, you know, want to get me a drink? And I'd be like, sure. And then just <laughs> smile and have like nothing there. And the whole point was to find the person that would find that interesting yeah. Which I never, I never found a straight man that found that interesting, <laughs> but I found lots of other fun queer people that did. So, yeah. Well, you found your feather that way. So I was baiting. Yeah. Baiting. I'm a bait. I'm a baiter. I'm, yeah. a, I'm an angler yeah. fish. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> who's, Master who's of cool? Baiting. Who, yeah. Who's into like life art? Like, right. That's kind of what established like the the format of like here is the gender here here's like an overview of the gender club beverage all originated from vodka milk and wow. then describing the specific skills or like roles that this gender fits into it all came out of the very real experience of identifying this like baiting behavior using earth intruder. Okay, so I want to set up this second wave feminist one because with that structure that you just laid out, right. this one blew my mind because you are doing all of these things that you're talking about of the what you're showing, what you're hiding, and what it's basically saying to the world and the place and history and everything. So it's just completely... I mean, I could I feel like I could write a dissertation on it. So I I want to set up what you're wearing. First, you're wearing like a kind of outfit that I assume is like your kind of maybe everyday outfit kind of. I mean, it's not like T-shirt and pants. I think you're wearing, oh, but it's yeah. nice. It's stylish. It's interesting. And then you kind of jump. And when you land, you're in your outfit. Right. And right. for the second wave feminist, it's this great black severe bob with a flowery but black power suit right yeah definitely yeah. like padded shoulders so i'm just gonna play it and then mm. i want to talk about it a little bit this gender flues day we introduce you to second wave feminist a complicated gender that shoulders the weight of difficult cultural work through imperfect means Though often cringe, there's a homeopathic quality that mimics behaviors of oppression in order to disarm them. This is a double-edged sword that can often repeat the abuses it is attempting to confront. Club beverage is whiskey and cigars. While this is a fairly feminine gender, she forces herself to be one of the guys. Special skills include infiltration. This is a gender that knows how to get into the right rooms and how to emphasize the parts of herself that are respected but non-threatening to her male counterparts. She is also adept at decisive unsentimentality. Though a utilitarian to a fault, this is a gender that does the dirty jobs without flinching. The goal of this gender is to move the ball forward at all costs. It's easy to sacrifice progress on the altar of perfection, but we can appreciate the parts that get their hands dirty while remaining critical of their unsavory components. First of all, I forgot how awesome your living room is. You live in this <laughs> little pink oasis. I do. A little Pepto I palace. 
Yes, the Pepto Palace. It's so great. So there are so many lines from this. This is why I wanted to play it for the audience. There's so many lines that are just like the line about repeating abuses. It just gave me such a heart feel for my mom trying Mm -hmm. so hard to stop the abuses and then also repeating them. That era of feminism where you're not trying to carve out a new space. You're just trying to get yourself into this, the power space instead right. of getting rid of the entire fucking system. But it's also you know? that thing of survival, mm-hmm. sort not masking it, but presenting it as progress. Yes. Which like at the time, maybe it, maybe it was, but it, I think that we, we run into like all these kinds of like weird situations where we're fighting against systems that we actually need to survive right now, like the existence of landlords and whether yeah. landlords are bad or not. And I'm like, well, it's, it's what, it's what we've got right now. Mm-hmm. We know that there is a better way, the path to get from where we are to that other way, which is this landlordless experience. It's hard to, to figure out, but embodying the enemy to like, to be able to engage with it is is such a strange thing and we know that it caused a lot of hurt as well as being like a a very empowering moment for women in some ways where do you i mean i think so many people want to just discard the second wave Mm -hmm. yeah and you bring a lot of compassion to that experience in this um video and video essay and so i i just where does that come from for you so one of my pretty hard, fast values in life is I don't discuss people in terms of being good people or bad people. If we try to have a discussion about whether Lena Dunham is bad or not, nobody wins from that conversation. It is is a lose-lose for everybody. I'm much more interested in talking about ways in which people's behaviors can be harmful or ways in which people's behaviors can be healing. So we know that like Lena Dunham has done harmful things. We also know that Lena Dunham has done helpful things. And those two ideas don't cancel each other out as opposed to talking about whether she's like good or bad, which she can't be good and bad at the same time. Or like sometimes people try to use people's virtues as a way to invalidate the bad things that they do, the harmful things that they do. They're like, oh, well, they're not really that bad X, Y, Z. And that's so unhelpful because then you're not talking about what needs to be done about the, the, like the negative presence about it. You're just trying to normalize. So when I think about like second wave feminism, like, None of the things that they did that helped move culture forward invalidate how shitty they were to people and the amount right. of like harm that they caused, especially in like left leftist circles. It could be very easy to sacrifice progress on the altar of purity. And that's right. something that I'm very disinterested in. I, I'm somebody that's like very focused on coalition building and to build coalition. All you need to know is that you have some shared needs with other people. You don't need to agree on all facets to be able to work together to build something beautiful or important. Is that, does that I feel like I kind of got off off topic, didn't I? No, not no, at no, no, not at all. I mean, I'm really impressed with how expansive and welcoming your thinking is, especially knowing and this is not I, I don't mean this in an offensive way at all. Mm. Uh, like I'm I'm from Oklahoma. I've spent a lot of time in Texas. It's like being homeschooled, being very religious and in a very conservative place growing up in that environment, how you got into this space of being able to be so thoughtful about all of these, you know, systems and rules that we've been given about gender, about thinking, about, you know, capitalism and and what art is and all of these things. You just don't seem to have any room for all of the rules that were given and you just have all of this kindness for seemingly everyone and what they can offer or or how you can, you know, make uh, coalitions and, and collaborations and things. It's it's how do you get to that spot? That's, you're so you're that's like a wise, kind. like a little wise nymph. I'm like, <laughs> send me some wisdom about my my second wave mom, you know, <laughs> wise nymph. That's cute. <laughs> Well, you know, I I really have to credit my parents so much. We're not people that agree on very much, but my parents invested a lot in critical thinking skills. So my mom spent like so much energy homeschooling us and like building curriculums for me and my brothers. You know, they sent me to like a classical 
prep school where, you know, we learned formal logic and rhetoric. And it, it's so funny because like they equipped us with those tools so that we could like defend the faith. <laughs> Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it becomes this like very strange thing where it also makes you critical of the faith, right? And how you enge- are engaging with it, and that's where like some of the the conflicts come from. Yeah, my parents like raised me with like great values and and great thinking skills, and I'm I'm endlessly grateful to them for that. What about your queerness? Was that mm. showing when you were a kid? Did, how did they respond to that? Yeah, I think that it was, but I didn't have the right language for it. Mm -hmm. Like I was vaguely aware of what gay people were. (laughs) It took me like much longer to understand the difference between gender and sexuality. So I was living in Seattle when I was like sort of understanding queerness for myself. It's so weird being like, you know, a good portion through your life where you just like learn a word or concept to describe Mm -hmm. how, how you have felt that you've just had to exist in that without language. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's so, so bizarre and, and exciting, but I don't know, also scary. Kind of began with this drag queen who was, who is now very prominent, Jinx Monsoon um, oh, is, her, yeah. is her name. But she was like, uh, we were just in Seattle at the same time and I was going to her her performances a lot. And then of course she got onto RuPaul's Drag Race and that was like such a cool like moment for all of of Seattle collectively. Mm-hmm. The way Jinx Monsoon and her counterpart, Benda Lacrim, kind of like operated together was like just very much more in this like gender fuck space. It, it just like made me feel so alive and excited. I think that I found the language for gender fluidity much later, which has been like pretty core to my identity and my my gender play itself. But yeah, long, long, slow processes of figuring out what things mean. Queerness is a, a really strange journey. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, like my, my resistance against like rules or structures of what we would expect to be right or wrong because I wrote was, I grew up so strongly religious. I can kind of smell religion on everything Mm. and queerness included. Like there's dogma to queerness that when I get presented with these rules of what you have to be to be queer, it just puts me right back at the altar, you know? And so even queerness has to get queered sometimes. Mm -hmm. Definitely been a weird, a weird journey of defining and redefining as you go. And were you already doing a musician at that time? Yeah, I was playing music. I was in a band called Andy at that time. And Friends and Family was another band I was playing in. The the Andy era was really when I was coming into my my own queerness. And that was a very fun synthy electronic project. I was I was struggling at the time to understand how to think of myself as a good person. This is while I was still holding on to that framework of good people versus bad people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't figure out how to have like, kind of lost my my connection with my faith the way I used to practice it. And I was like, I don't know how to be a good person without that framework. And so I, was, I decided that I was going to build my own religion that I knew how to be good within. And that was the like a religion around this deity called Andy. Um, <laughs> so that was a really fun project. Definitely gave me a lot of opportunities to figure some stuff out. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like also Sometimes I think that creative practice has mm-hmm. um, a lot of the sacred in it. Mm-hmm. It gets you connected to source. So that yeah. makes a lot of sense that that was a container for you. Yeah. Well, it was also like at the time, it was easier to start thinking about these things and talking about these things through a, like a fantasy lens. Yeah. Um, it was sort of like keeping it, keeping the ideas in the periphery without like talking about them directly. Mm-hmm. But then, um, Pelvis Wrestling has become a little bit more of like, okay, let's look it in the eye. Let's talk about things literally instead of dressing them up in like personified deity characters. So, Can we talk about this name for a moment? Because I love the name Pelvis Wrestling. And I just want to tell you what it means to me. And I want to see if it's what your intention was. Hell yeah. Love this. Okay, it's a game. So when I hear pelvis wrestling combined with the kind of music that you do, which is country and the like, old, more old school, like that kind of, um, you know, Johnny Cash guitar, but there's synthesizers yeah, there's and there's harmonizing. Like mm-hmm. Queer pop in there. Yes. Yeah. So it's like queer pop country. country. 
right? Yeah. With the name, with the content that you have, with the name Pelvis Presley, tells me that you're like with the eye on Elvis Presley, like you're pointing towards that era of country music, I mm-hmm. think, and and also like the rock and roll. But then Pelvis Presley, it's like pelvis. I mean, that's hilarious, but <laughs> it's also like you know this primarily like sexual part of the body or mm-hmm. often associated with gender kind of part of the body. And then wrestling being like kind of wrestling with these gender ideas, working out all of these like ideas about what, it, you know, all, what all of that stuff means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right on. Um... It, it encompasses all of that, like very quickly to me. And I think it's, <laughs> it's very, your use of language is very precise and poetic. Did you that come is, up with the name? Or did I did. Know? I oh, did. That's yeah. truly one of the um, the kindest things someone could. That's a, that's a very a very nice compliment for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was kind of talking earlier about like the idea of two way street identities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, pelvis Wrestley, as a name, is a like the spoonerism of it is is sort of like alluding to to that back and forth of just mm-hmm. of that dynamic, but. Um, even the country music aspect was like, okay, we want to write these country songs and embody the country country music title and then play something that is not entirely recognizably country, even though it was written to be country music. Right, right. By doing that, we're again, like jumping into the history of of country music and like the you know, the nationalism that it's been associated with yeah. and the misogyny. But then also, you know, you've got, uh, Loretta Lynn writing like Fist City or um, yeah. Plan B, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it it has this like very tangled up history that is again neither neither fully good nor bad, right? Just helpful right. or harmful. So I, identifying ourselves with that tradition and then doing something else, so that we're changing what country music means by by playing country music, but then also receiving that like that historical baggage from it, and then. I, I love what you're talking about with like the pelvis being a, a highly gendered part of the body. That's like definitely spot on. And the only other like illusion that's happening in pelvis wrestling is another religious illusion, which is mm. the moment where, um, where the patriarch Jacob encounters an angel and refuses to let the angel leave until the angel blesses him. And so they like they have this like epic battle. Um, they fight all night, and at the end of the night, the they neither one can best the other. And so the angel, the, the language is the angel touches Jacob's pelvis and cripples Ooh. him. Yeah, yeah, I know. So like, uh, there's also like some some of that going on in it as well. Wow. Yeah, he gets wow. blessed, but then he also gets crippled. Yeah. <laughs> Pelvis um, crippled. Pelvis crippled from the yeah. pelvis wrestling. <laughs> I um, love it. The new album. Yes. You were talking about how you're uh, sort of facing things more head on. You're talking about things more directly. Mm-hmm. And um, there is uh, someone named Susanna. Yes. In the new album. There is. And it's one of my favorite songs. Yeah. So, you know, who is Susanna or who does Susanna represent or what um, is happening with the queer awakening? Yeah. Uh, Susanna is my best friend. Um, she's been my, my bestie since birth. Um, so she's um, she's my dad's college friend's daughter. So we grew mm-hmm. up very much like at the same, you know, at the same time we were, you know, sink bathtub babies mm-hmm. together. So what what happened there, and I kind of a I kind of talk about this in the song itself, but there's this moment. We would go over to to her house, my whole family would, and my older brothers would hang out with Susanna's older brother. And then I would hang out with Susanna and just do whatever. And one day we were playing, we were playing dress up. Susanna just like pulls out all of her like Sunday clothes, all of her like fancy dresses, and then like does me up. And we're like wearing these dresses together. And we like decide that we're going to do like this presentation for the the parents who are downstairs. Mm-hmm. And because gender is fake, we did not realize we were doing something that was not allowed. Right. right. Um, there was nothing about anything that we were doing that felt 
um, I don't know, sinister. It was always also playful. And so like we promenade down these like stairs and I, I can see my parents and, and Susanna's parents sitting at this table, looking up at us just horrified. And my dad just like burying his face in his hands and shaking his head, just so, so embarrassed of how proud I was in that moment. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was so sad after that we, there were like all these new rules about like what Susanna and I were and weren't allowed to do. Right. We, and what they had told, told Susanna is like, well, we're, we're just doing these things because if we don't do them, then, then, then we'll grow up to be a sissy, mm. but jokes on them. Well, <laughs> maybe the jokes on me, who's the joke on, you know what you, you, I think you've definitely got it together. Like you're on, you're, you have a very thoughtful, kind path. I think jokes on them. I and and Susanna's it, still with you. Yeah, Susanna's still with me. She lives oh, um just down the street from me. I don't know. She's the best. I I don't know where I would be or like what. A, a lot of the ideas that I have, have that I get like a lot of credit for are Susanna's ideas. I think that I'm just more outspoken than she is. Mm-hmm. We learn from each other and like we really sharpen each other. She's. Um, she's a very essential person in my life. Well, I'm glad that that didn't crush your queer, your queer dreams. That's a hard thing to have to go through as a small child. It was just so confusing. Yeah. Um, and nobody even like explained why we were in trouble, <laughs> you know, um, or like, I don't know. It felt like we were in trouble. It felt like we were being punished. Robin and I both have kids when you're raising kids and especially like as a person raising kids like I'm trying very hard not to put anything you know like my daughter is has gone from high femme to super butch and it's really fun to watch Mm -hmm. but it when you stay out of it what you notice Mm -hmm. is that we have an essential curiosity about gender about our bodies about our identity and I feel like all kids go through this of like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm drawn to these certain things, but this also is kind of interesting. And then they drop it, you know, right. and they're on to something else. Or some people, you know, continue to stick with a certain interest or a certain gender identity. And it's been really fascinating to watch Ruby and just how organically mm-hmm. that curiosity is. Mm-hmm. And so then when you don't fuck with it, <laughs> yeah, like what happens, right? Like, I don't think that the end outcome is actually going to be all that different, except that my hope would be that she doesn't have a lot of shame around yeah. wherever she lands at the end of it. Right. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's, it's just like, what, what kind of baggage does it, does it pick up? Yeah. Um, yeah. I still have to like, audit myself in terms of things that I assume I'm not allowed to do. Um, yeah, the, the cop is in there and in there, I mean, my head, the cop is in my head. Um, I oftentimes think about like how life would be, would have been different if I was made aware of the options that were available to me at a Mm -hmm. younger age. And back to what you're saying, I don't know if it would have been that different because we are, we are intuitive creatures, right? We Mm -hmm. do know ourselves better than, um, then we let on. Um, and yeah, the, the truth of who we are is always available to us, um, Mm -hmm. regardless Mm -hmm. of what we're, whether we have the language to describe it or like a community that affirms it. Yeah. 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 And part of, and and the community part's interesting because, um, I'm trying to be conscious of being hands-off with my, I have two boys that are seven and nine trying to be conscious of being hands-off around their gender, but the outside influences are so strong. Mm-hmm. Like we had a drag march here recently that I ended up not being able to go to, but I was talking to my kids about like, do you want to go to the drag march? And one of them oh, doesn't want to ever do anything. But the other one was like, well, but I don't want to wear all of that stuff. Do I have to wear all that stuff? And I'm like, no, you don't have to wear all that stuff. And he's like, wait, I can go, but I don't have to. It was just like this conversation about like him feeling nervous that he would have mm-hmm. to wear glitter. And I'm just like, it's cool. No one's threatening your masculinity. You can just show up. And I'm, But he's seven, you know, and he's like right. concerned about like his appearance in that way. And mm-hmm. his bros, like they're my kids are, they say bra, like they call each really? other bra. That's yes. real. 
<laughs> it's real. Whoa. They think it's they think it's hilarious. <laughs> okay. You know, but they'll say to each other, like, nah, brah. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> How did I get in my house? <laughs> it's not me. I didn't do no. that. Anyway. Yeah. All right, bro. <laughs> yeah. So, but on the community thing, how is it in Texas right now? I mean, shit's really hitting mm-hmm. the fan around, yep. you know, gender diversity, expression. It's just like such an onslaught right now. How are you feeling being a queer person, performing, making art mm-hmm. out there? I mean, Austin is like a bastion of of safety, but you are, you know, you're in that red sea of Texas. Yeah, it, it's really difficult to know. It's not difficult to know how it feels. It feels really t- I spent like several days at the capital. The nice thing is that we're in the capital city yeah, in yeah. Austin. There's something that's available to us living here as opposed to other places in Texas is the, at least like the illusion of having some, some control or some power by being able to show up at the capital and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. drop a card or give testimony against some of these like bullshit bills that they're pulling out. The bills just keep getting louder and louder mm-hmm. about the quiet parts um, and just like more and more apparent in the ways that they're just specifically written just to make trans people's lives hard. Yeah. The arguments for, for it being benev- those laws being benevolent in yeah. any way are just getting flimsier and, and frailer. So there, there's a lot of fear in the, in the city, for sure. One of the first bills that came to my attention was one that was targeting um, music venues mm. and making them recode as sexually oriented businesses, which is basically a porn theater. If they host any any like musicians or acts that involve any form of gender bending or wearing clothes that that don't match your assigned gender. So I was uh, I was going to all the venue owners, and this is a cool thing about Austin. And all of the venue owners are they're like stories basically the same. It's like the classic Texas come and take it. Like we're not changing the way we're doing right. we're doing things. And I appreciate that so so much. And at the same time, I have this like hesitancy of like, well, these bills haven't gone into effect yet. Let's see what happens when the rubber hits the road. And right. These venues are getting hit with like, you know, $15,000 a month, like mm-hmm. fees, like what what's going to happen then? But of course, like when there are these laws and uh, talking about like restricting what kinds of performances are allowed feels so petty when there's things that's like life-saving healthcare that are <laughs> that's on the table. Right. The thing about these bills is like, regardless of how they're actioned on, what they do is they send a message to the larger public that this is a group of people that the government actively yeah. does not believe deserve to be protected. Right. And what happens when that message gets sent out is hate crimes. Yeah. When Trump's bathroom bills went into effect, it was like, you know, th- we saw a 150% spike in hate crimes against trans people. And I know that that number is higher because I know not all of them are reported. And I know that because I had two violent hate crimes happen to me right after that happened. Mm -hmm. And I didn't report them because we have this thing called normalcy bias where we just need everything to be survivable. And like, I could not acknowledge the fact that, you know, I got egged after a show because I was like in a dress and, and like presenting fully femme and like walking down the street and like, you know, you just can't, sometimes it's so hard to even admit to yourself that the danger is there. Yeah. Cause how so, do you sit with that and make it through your day? Yeah. 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 We kind of have to believe this weird normalizing lie that like, that things are safe. And I do have like privilege that some other people don't have where it is, you know, sometimes easier for me to slip into a more masculine presentation and go about my day and like feel safe. That is not an option to everybody. So all that to say, Texas is a mess. I, (laughs) I want to love it so badly and it just doesn't, it doesn't do us a lot of favors, but I I do want to love this state so badly. Yep. I love you. If you change. My whole family is from Texas. Yeah. Dang. Where are they at? Well, Waco. Waco. Okay. Uh, My aunt and uncle left Austin because they eventually, they moved to Colorado. They were like, we just can't anymore. When, when we lived there, we were in Dallas. My parents had a theater in Debellum. Oh, amazing. And I spent my summers in Texas. Okay. And as a child being in Texas was magic. Like it was so different from any of the places that we lived. And I had this love of that big sky 
Mm-hmm. and fireflies and barbecue and strong opinions and just like a wildness you know yeah and I, it's still in me but i get you know it's hard it's hard going back yeah i mean at its absolute best there is a keep it off my lawn mentality mm-hmm. even to like a lot of the like conservatism that um you you find here it, it's sort of this, hey, hey, you do you as long as it's not on my property kind of <laughs> kind of vibe, which makes for some interesting dynamics. Like I, I there have been like a lot of times when I've been anticipating like being met with some severity. <laughs> I, I, one night I was having an earth, an earth intruder night. I was in my earth intruder <laughs> outfit and this like big, just like brick of a bro approaches me and i'm just like oh oh boy here we go it's Mm -hmm. about to happen and he says hey i really like your outfit can you tell me how you launder that (laughs) like he just wanted to know how the laundry of it works yeah just the laundry (laughs) so sometimes texas can surprise you like there's some very tender bros here very tender bros bra bra (laughs) some tender bras bras (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, this has been so wonderful that you Mm. spent this time with us. We are such huge fans. Yes. Right back at you. (laughs) And we are, we, we have some affirmations that we like to leave people with. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull one for you and you can comment or you can just take it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Ah, your future is a golden, sparkly explosion of fucking awesomeness. I'll take it. Yeah. Need that that golden glow. Yeah. Yeah. Just explode your awesomeness all over everything. Yeah. I'll just be bursting. Yeah. Just like back in the day, hands free. From the swimming pool. Well, I was trying you. to get there too, but you got there first. I'm thank so you. impressed. I'm thank so you. Impressed. It's my ADHD. Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much. Where can people find you? Are there anything anything coming up that you want people to know about? Yeah, Pelvis Wrestling. We're we're on the streaming services. We're on Spotify. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on TikTok for music and also gender related musings, essays, um, essays, stories. <laughs> I, I, I like to tell stories about my my weird uncle sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, stuff that's coming up. We have this album that just came out. It's called Vortex is Forever. And we will be having new music soon. And I believe that's all I'm allowed to say right now. Well, and if you come tour or visit Los Angeles, please hit us up. And you guys Absolutely. can stay in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast saying Velvet Vagina trailer. trailer. <laughs> yeah. This uh, for the, the <laughs> listeners at home. For the listeners at home, there is a, a gorgeous pink, magenta, mysterious, yeah. soft, satiny, velvety, and hairy lounge. Mm-hmm. That's right. That is this that is the scene that I'm looking at. Yep. And you can sit in it too. Just come to Los Angeles. Pelvis. Here I come. Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. So nice to chat with y'all. Wow. I was delighted. I knew it was going to be great. It was just so nice to spend some time with them, even though it's over Zoom, like being in their presence, just so kind and thoughtful and considerate and articulate about the subjects that we care about the most. It's really great to talk to someone about all these intricacies of how gender works, how it plays out in our culture, how identity in general, national identity, you know, your city or state identity. I loved being in conversation with them. They're such a gentle and insightful, insightful, yes, um, artist and Mm -hmm. person. You know, we could have like really gotten into the album. Like I, I, I sort of wanted to ask them about the song Valley. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was such a melodic and vulnerable, just beautiful song that mm-hmm. also tells such an interesting identity journey. I really encourage people to go and listen to the album. And I mean, obviously, in addition to checking out their TikTok, which we've 
<laughs> can't say enough about yeah, yeah, yeah which we are such fans of but yeah you you mentioned something in the episode about like finding it interesting that despite their you know upbringing in the south and being raised super religious that they have like maintained such critical thinking the thing that stands out to me is just like how generous their spirits mm. so you know because for some people it really breaks you yeah and I think of like you know my uncle growing up in my in, in Texas mm-hmm. they moved around a lot too just like I did as a child but you know, he grew up in the South. He was gay. He really paved the way for me in my family. I think I've mentioned them on this podcast before. Just a really gentle spirit, like really, really generous human. And a lot of that stuff, which is kind of similar stuff that I think Benjamin is dealing with in that upbringing, sort of broke my uncle. Mm-hmm. And I, it could really go either way. And so it's just like, it is really inspiring witnessing Elvis Wrestley's art, being in conversation with Benjamin today, because you're just like, oh, wow, like that stuff didn't break you. It totally just shaped you. And they put it so beautifully when we were talking about their childhood experience of like dressing up mm. with their friend Susanna and getting into girls clothing and that that was just so innocent and sweet right and they said the truth of who you are is always available yeah yeah really it's like a wise little nymph like yes yes, yes, yes. i'm like give me another drop of of wisdom yeah (laughs) yeah so i'm thank you for reaching out to them and getting yeah to the podcast yeah and i feel like they enjoyed themselves too i hope I feel it it really was, I think, like sometimes social media can connect you with people that you really are synced up with. They just happen to be in a very different location. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we made a little friendship today. Yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, maybe Pelvis Wrestling will go on tour and crash in your vaginal vortex. Yes, I trailer. hope. I want <laughs> I want Benjamin in my vaginal vortex. The whole Pelvis Wrestling crew. I would love to go out to Austin and see them. I love getting back into this and being in conversation about these things. It's just nice to really talk to caring, intelligent people about, you know, the constructs we live under. I guess it's like a lack of judgment that they have. They can have even those harsh experiences as a child and see the greater now in Texas. And even now what they were describing, it's very heartbreaking of how they've been treated at times in Texas and And it's happening all over the world like that for so many people that are expressing themselves in a way that is not standard. And it's such a powerful political thing to live your life authentically. And their authenticity is is very contagious. And I I feel like just living that way is a progressive political move. And then they further take themselves out into the world, performing and putting themselves on TikTok and furthering the message. Like all of this is, I think, part of the revolution that we're experiencing right now. Well, and to live your authentic life and path and to not let everything that is happening in our fascist state Mm. break you. Yeah. Um, is such a huge accomplishment. And I think that that's something that I find really inspiring too, is like, I've found myself at different times in my life, sort of tamping down what is probably more my like really Mm -hmm. authentic expression of myself or living my life in the way that I want to, because I'm like trying to make it work in what I think is like in the circumstances that feel available to me. And so mm-hmm. like when I meet people who are more limitless in their thinking mm-hmm. and in their expression and how they live their life, like I'm like, yeah, that, yep, that is the thing that I want to aspire to. It's like it's lighthouses that guide, kind of guide us back to where our more truer selves, because the day to day can get you really lost into a kind of trance of just existing and expectations and things like that. And that's I, a large part of what artists musicians do for us is um, kind of snap us out of it once in a while and see the truth of the situation. Check out Pelvis Wrestley. Check out Gender Flu's Day, please. It'll improve your day. Hey, Sarah. Yes. (laughs) 
You want to do a have you heard? Oh, sure. What is that? Oh, well, have you heard about drones? Like the things that fly around in the sky? No. Photos? No. This is in a sexual context. Ooh. What do you think the term drone or droning means? Oh. Uh, hmm. Okay, a couple of things come to mind. When you said droning, it sounds like drilling. So I'm thinking like real deep, but um, <laughs> droning. So if drones go around and capture photos and kind of spy on people, is there like a voyeuristic element to it? Mm, that's a good idea. But no, I is mean, voyeurism could be part of it. Is but... it connected to drones at all? It has like a reference, but it's not connected to the machines. Okay, I have no idea. Okay, droning is a new level of latex fetish. Okay. What? Okay, so you know there's like this extreme level of latex fetish where your entire body's covered in latex. A lot of times they'll even have like masks where there's just like little breathing holes or they'll wear gas masks and you can do like breath control stuff with the person wearing it. Stuff like that. So there's a next level of it where you're encased in this latex. So with the like full latex fetish, uh-huh. the elements of it are compression. Right. Feel. Yeah. Smell. Yeah. Just total kind of your body being encased takes over like a level of like control. Sensory deprivation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you've already done that and you're like, huh, this is kind of boring. I need more. I need more. I need sweat. more. How can I up it? Okay. I'm going to zhuzh it. How do okay. I zhuzh my latex fetish? So a lot of them, it's imagine the full latex and everything, mm -hmm. except a lot of them are using this kind of face mask that is black and totally, I think it's not transparent on the inside, but it looks like just black glass. It looks like a lot like a robot head. Under that, they are typically hooded so that their eyes are covered and only their mouth is out. So you're totally encased in latex. You have the hood on, only your mouth is out. Then they put this glass, I think not transparent at all, mask on you, like a helmet. It looks like a cool helmet. Now you look like a super cool robot. Okay. This is where the drone part comes in. So the psychological part is that all of this encasement in latex and putting this helmet on you is to turn you into a mindless robot. You are just a drone amongst drones. You are part of a beehive. That's where the drone part comes. So it's mixing this robotic element. You have no actual will or personality. You are just there to do what you're told, but in a robotic way. And is there something for the dominant? Because what I'm imagining now is that there's some dehumanization that is happening right. in this, yep. um, you know, physicality. So, I mean, this also sounds kind of like mass work, like in theater, mm. when you like you can do a lot of character exploration and physicality exploration once you put a mask right. on and you work in a mirror. So like each of the different masks have di like bring out different characters in you. It's really cool to do that work because you actually feel like a part of your ego kind of just yes. steps back. So I can totally relate to or understand what the submissive experience is like being behind this many layers of masks and compression. But is there an element in this play for the dominant to divorce their submissive from their humanity? Oh, 100%. You know, it's an interesting point. I've only really read up on the submissive role in it. Mm -hmm. And the photos that I've seen in it of it will be like multiples of them like standing there like robots. And they look fucking awesome. Like I feel very drawn to the aesthetic because it's all black and shiny and like yeah. uh, some of them will have that kind of like inflatable elements. So it'll be like these outrageous inflatable boobs or butts or something. Oh, so there's like this body augmentation. Oh. I would imagine I have not read this, but I would imagine the appeal for the dominant is that it's kind of like a robot fetish type of thing. Like you're turning this person into a robot to do exactly what, you know, they're told. All of the photos I've seen, the dominant is already dressed like a drone as well. 
but I don't know if they're just putting if that's just for the photos or not if you're a drone please let us know we would love to interview about your droning or any of these fetishes I love fetishists it's so interesting to me how sexuality and the mind can really interact with each other it's so funny as you're describing this like the aesthetic of it sounds really interesting to me the actual dynamic of it and like being in it sounds awful to me. Yes. Like I don't want anything that is actually going to take me further away from my selfhood. Like Mm. I want my sexuality and my um, power exchange and my interactions with other human to like bring me closer to myself Mm. and closer Mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like, I I have zero interest in this. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. I've only recently gotten into that headspace where I really want to be me present with other people. I mean, you know, I used to be such a huge role play person and I still love all of that stuff. I'm on such a mental health journey right now that I just really have to be present with myself. But for me, just the idea of being a mindless sex robot is appealing. Ah, what's not appealing to me is being encased in latex because I have worn latex as a work thing before and it just gets old so fast it looks amazing stinky I don't it's so smelly and then the the actual feel like when somebody's lubing up your latex exterior very sexy love it but the moment you start sweating which is immediately it's like, get this fucking thing off of me. And then I get cold so easily. And the latex really just takes on the room temperature. It's so chilly. Anyway, I would love to be a robot. I would love to have the helmet and then like a really nice, comfortable outfit. <laughs> the helmet can, does it for me. We can make that happen. Oh, thank you. Thank you for reminding me that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get me a helmet. <laughs> I'm a drone. Beep, 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 beep. I would love to be a drone just sometimes. Just oh. tell me what to do. But... I'm always impressed when you don't know something that I know. <laughs> impressed with myself, maybe, because yeah. you know so much. But yeah, drones, try it sometime. It's a very expensive fetish. Or don't. Or don't. <laughs> it's up to you. You are not a drone. Do what you want, unless you want to be a drone. <laughs> and find us on social media at fuckyapod or email us fyapod at gmail.com. Also, tell your friends, write a review, help us get out there to more people to find folks like Elvis Wrestley and all of the really amazing guests that we have planned for you this season. We are, you know, revving up our engines. We're getting ready to dive into another epic season of Fuck Yeah. So thank you for being on this journey with us. We'll be back soon. Bye. podcast is hosted and produced by Sarah Tom Chesson, hashtag my mom, and Robin Jennings. Theme music is by she, her, sir. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would mean a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, or share with a friend. You can get in touch by emailing us at fyapod at gmail.com or find us online at fuckyapod.com. Thanks for tuning in.